Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 670. My mission statement would be proceed with caution. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Tim Lingerfelt. Hey, Tim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am sitting on G, waiting on O. <laughs> now, that's a unique introduction. That's the first time I've heard that. Love it. Tim Lingerfeld owns Carolina Coachcrafters in Mooresville, North Carolina. There he and his very talented craftsmen and fabricators work to eternalize the allure of the classic automobile through true, true craftsmanship. They do mechanical, metal shaping, paint, and paint correction, along with a lot of special projects. While Tim has a special passion for the Porsche mark, at Carolina Coachcrafters, they work on numerous automotive marks. They strive to preserve the history of the automobile, where it was made, for what purpose, and by whom, because they believe the design is in the details. And their mantra, you dream, we fulfill. So, Tim, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before we get into the questions and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, absolutely. And and thank you so much for uh, asking me to be on your show. You're welcome. I do appreciate that. And thank you for your passion and your knowledge of the difference between true restoration shops and and the fact that people need to proceed with caution. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> yeah, before I get too much into that, you know, this this fire was fueled by early age, uh, a gentleman in my neighborhood, uh, friends of my family and church here in the South, uh, had a body shop and I would go up there when I was out of school in the summertime at uh, the ripe age of 13 years old and sweep the shop, learn to tape up, eventually paint, do body work. And um, it just grew from there. I always had an interest in the classic cars as I become able to drive at 1976. Automobiles, as we know, had gone down in horsepower and I was always attracted to the old ones that had the bigger horsepower. <laughs> my Weren't brother, we all? <laughs> yeah, my brothers influenced that. And so I just kind of held on to that and yeah. uh, never turned loose. And uh, the, the performance automobiles always had an attraction. Then as I grew older, 
It's something I encourage for, for guys today, the young generation is. I've developed appreciation for the true classics, the mm. Delage, Delahaye, Bugattis, the real classic, the uh, the Gatsby era yeah. of automobile. And uh, it's just a much more complicated automobile to restore. And I'm trying to make these young guys appreciate that. It's been a fun ride. Well, it has. And I'll let our listeners know, if you go to um, Tim's website and you look at some of the pictures of what they, they do here, this is true craftsmanship. This isn't just a typical body shop where you slap some Bondo on, spray a little paint, say, hey, it looks really good. These guys do craftsman level work, master craftsman level work. It's it's absolutely fabulous. I mean, these are uh, top-notch, concord level type restorations. And we're going to get into that a little bit more as we continue on your journey today, Tim. But first, I always like to start by asking my guest for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your career. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Tim, take the wheel. Okay, well, success quote. My mission statement would be proceed with caution and collecting and restoration and enjoying your uh, one car or your multiple car collection. Yeah. Do your homework. My mission is not to bash the guys that do the Bondo and the beautiful straight, just amazingly beautiful paintwork. And most of the time when we see that, we know that there's probably a lot of fillers. And I'm too technical. I'm a body guy at heart. Mm-hmm. But enjoy the, the hobby that has grown so much. We all know it is just you know, with social media, it has grown so rapidly and it's so big. And, you know, the TV shows, the auctions, it's just wonderful that my dad, before he passed, could could watch and see all these classic automobiles on this beautiful television set in his living room with all these shiny, shiny cars. And so many times it's bad that we are now, and I have a two-year, five-month-old son, Jackson, that if he chooses to get into this field, will have tons of work to do because of these, get these cars ready quick and get them to auction. Mm -hmm. So I tell people that are coming to me to collect and look at having restorations done, be careful. So I won't preach on that too long, (laughs) but preserve the past build the future. Let me ask you a quick question about that, because I think it's a really important point. Proceed with caution. If if I have a what could be a very expensive and collectible car, an asset part of my, my uh, savings, if you will, my 401k in the garage, what's the best way for me as a person who's seeking someone of your talents to go out there and make sure that the person who's working on my car really knows what they're doing? Well, I think that you, you first of all you ask them for references uh is is a, a quick quick sign of uh you know who you're going to be dealing with mm-hmm. uh do do check them out people tell you mark that uh okay i've got you know this much experience in our restoration shop here and they always have that eye candy sitting in the front lobby so check them out we we get some feedback we know on social media with people that have have done references voluntary or involuntary and they right. get posted and, and and in all fairness sometimes those jabs are thrown at people because it costs fifty thousand dollars when they thought it was going to cost 25 or 30 right and they get ill and they're all about their wallet and true restorations cannot be about wallet so but let me let me answer that in several ways okay number one if you're going into a restoration say Okay, I I wanted this car because my dad had one like this. And the sentimental restoration is what we love 
to do because we don't profit more on one restoration than the other because one guy has deeper pockets than the other. We simply have to charge what it costs to do the restoration properly. Yeah. Some restorations are more complicated, therefore require more talent, more time. Some are in worse condition. But I would tell them that if you're going to do a 69 Camaro Copo car that potentially could be a $200,000 automobile, get into it at a price where you can afford to spend X number of dollars and that you're going to be at that threshold of investment. Just under it is a beautiful thing, but always know that these cars are going to continue to appreciate. The lesser unmolested automobiles are certainly going to hold their value better, and these cars are going to continue to appreciate once again. And you're okay if you run over a budget by a small margin. Mm-hmm. In some some automobiles, you can set your budget, and knowing that you got plenty of a safety net because the car's worth so much more, and it will continue to appreciate. Right. So look for low production models, high horsepower. Uh, excuse me, high horsepower, and <laughs> yeah. and and I should say pair pair those two together, low production, high horsepower, yeah. and you know, you'll come up with a formula for something that's a solid investment. There you go. Very well said. Well, let's go back in time a little bit here. You referred to your father who loved to uh, watch cars, work around cars, it sounds like. Could you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back that you realize that you were a car guy? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's an emotional um Area for me to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Just lost my dad a, year, a little over a year ago. But I'm sorry. I laugh when I say emotional, but I laugh. One childhood memory. Uh-huh. I'm from the South, Southern Baptist. The old, I, I thought they were old guys. They were, you know, probably 38, 40 years old. Of course, I'm 10 years old. That's looking pretty young from our side of that, that age point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked before. I'm 56 with a two year and five month old. Look at me doing life backwards. Holy cow. Style, yeah. Way. You're an adventurous guy. But I remember the, the guys, uh, my dad was was not a, a cigarette smoker, but in, in, the, in the old days, all the guys would stand out in front of the church before and after church. And they'd have their cigarette before they went in the church service. And I remember a guy, and it happened on several occasions, he would stand around to talk, and he relaxed himself by taking his foot up and putting it on the chrome bumper of the car. Mm-hmm. And my dad would pull his handkerchief up and say, hold on just one minute, and he'd lay the handkerchief down. <laughs> <laughs> now, I like now that. Go ahead. <laughs> now go ahead if you want to put your bumper. It was not my dad's bumper, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, that tells us a lot more about him, too. That's um, yeah, probably why I paid attention and... It's just one of the things. My dad gave me so many valuable tools and, and, and great memories. It is instilled into me that don't be careless around these automobiles. Don't slam the doors then. Yeah. You know, uh, you put a set of wipers on a freshly painted car, make sure you run the motor down before you turn it on and it goes across the hood. I mean, all of that materialized into me being very meticulous. I, I will say this, Mark, uh, one of my my uh, sayings, I aggravate folks that come in and their wives are standing by their side and you go, Oh, you have no idea. My husband, he has this car and that car, and he, you know, drinks, eats, you know, sleeps and breathes automobiles. And my little saying is, oh, I have the same issue. There's medication for folks like us, but I refuse to take it. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need no stinking medication. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Well, wonderful story about your father. Uh, Absolutely fantastic. He certainly uh, 
left you with a legacy of passion, and that's really, really valuable, I'm, I'm sure. Tim, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've gone down and ask you to share a big challenge, a huge failure, something along the way that's been a, uh, an effort that you've got to get gotten over with your business. You've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and running a restoration business is fraught with ups and downs. So share a specific experience or something that happened, but more importantly, what did it teach you so that you can move forward in a positive way? Well, I'll start kind of in the beginning when I started my business. Uh, it was called Vintage Porsche Incorporated. And it did take long to learn out that Porsche protects that trademark. Uh, very and much I did so. My battle, <laughs> did my battles with them. By the way, I, I, I won one of the rare cases that I had that incorporated before they changed their current name in the country. But uh, we, we can go on beyond that. <laughs> I, I, I had a desire to restore Porsches. I had worked for a gentleman in Hickory, North Carolina that, was a very knowledgeable Porsche guy, and uh, a turn of events led me down a uh, opportunity to start my own company, Vintage Porsche. And while there were only a couple Porsches in town, I would fill the gaps in by doing collision work. We painted construction trucks for construction companies around because my dad had ties to that kind of uh, uh, business. So I would paint their dump trucks, their cranes, whatever it took to keep the money coming in until the next restoration job would come along. Oh, okay. Then folks started seeing my, my – I was in uh, right out of high school. I competed in an auto body uh, paint competition in my area. 28 shops entered, and at 19 years old, I beat all the shops. Oh, my the gosh. Old guys the old guys didn't take it well. I uh, know. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they actually um, – I actually had to go in for an interview with the company and – you know, explain all my products I use. Luckily, a gentleman named Melvin Lockman, Lockman's Body Shop, was well respected and had been in business for years. And I beat him as well, but he backed me, and I did the car in his shop. I was working for him at the time, and uh, he verified what I had used. So the reason I say all that is restoration shops. I've seen them guys that work for me jump out on their own and try to be a restoration shop and they fail within, you know, usually the last two to three years mm -hmm. and it's over. And the reason was they kept thinking that guy having them do that, you know, Pontiac or Cadillac or whatever it was would just keep bringing them a check every Friday to fuel that. And next thing you know, this guy's, well, I got to be out of town or I can't pay you until next week. The difference was I kept the cash flow going by doing collision mm. and this other work. And, that's the difference between wanting to be a restoration shop and having a true desire to be a restoration shop. Right. Is what are you willing to uh, sacrifice to stay in? And, uh, you know, 30 some years later, I'm still in that business. And it's because of even today, we do what others either don't want to do or not capable of, capable of doing. Okay. And, to this day, we uh, we run you know an automobile restoration company here on my premises. We also have a company called the Boat Body Shop that I started, and the name is kind of a play on words. You take your car to an automobile body shop. Where do you take your boat? That's my tagline. <laughs> yeah, the Boat Body Shop. Perfect. So we live on a lake with seventy five thousand boats, a man made lake, and it dawned on me that uh, collision work on these boats was an opportunity, and so. We've got that going on in one part of the shop, and sometimes you have to rob Peter to pay Paul, and, and, and I've done that all my life and, and just kept, you know, yeah, a, a lots, of, lots of doors open, and, and, uh, 
And and that bled off into my boat business. My automobile restoration influenced my boat business. And now we do much better work on boats than anyone else in our area. Anywhere on the, the eastern seaboard, we get boats from all over the eastern seaboard simply because of our detail, which was influenced by our automobile yeah. restoration and perfection that we try to achieve on every project. So I kind of get off the, the focus of the question sometimes because I am so passionate about what we do. Well, I think you, there's a great takeaway from what you've shared here, and especially for young people who want to start a business, any kind of business, is diversification, not putting all your eggs in one basket, and being willing, as you said, to do something a little different and outside of the realm to keep that cash flow going. That's a business thought, and a lot of people get into a, a business in their passion and they forget about the business side of business, that you've got to keep the cash flow going. So it's a great story and a great lesson for those out there of diversification, trying different things, doing different things um, so that your business can stay in place. I think it's a brilliant concept and obviously one plays off the other. So it sounds like that's led to your success. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Now, you touched on a great one there where you went, ah, we live on a lake. There's a bunch of boats here. We could take that expertise and put it in boats. But is there another career aha moment you could share with us? Well, that one certainly rings true. And it's, it's uh, boy, I, if I start on it, we'll talk about it again for another <laughs> 10 minutes. But Aha moments. Yeah, I had a uh, automobile that come in front of me, and uh, through a series of events, which you would find interesting. I'm not sure the radio audience, so the web audience would uh, appreciate. Well, they would appreciate it, but it's, it's, it gets a little tiring. But I had an automobile that came in front of me, which was a 1936 Stout Scarab. Oh wow! And there were nine of those built. Uh, William Bushnell Stout. He was a right hand man to Henry Ford. He built Henry Ford's tri-motor airplane, and he had an idea of let's build an automobile. And he 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 says, you know, why if you've got it this width, this track width, eliminate the running boards mm-hmm. and put the room to the inside of the automobile. That car come along, and we had the opportunity to restore that automobile and complete it. It was really a car that it kind of put me on the map with a lot of folks, and they said, hmm. And maybe this guy can can restore just about anything. There are five of the scares in existence existence now, and it's uh, it's quite an iconic automobile. Uh, a total of nine produced. Was that car at yes. Amelia Island? It was Amelia Island five years ago. Okay, yeah, Ron, yeah. There's another one out of Milwaukee. Uh, Ron Schneider's car has been at multiple concours all over the country. The uh, uh, Larry uh, Smith has his car now at the Peterson mm-hmm. in the uh, Meyer family room, Bruce Meyer's family room. Yeah. It's all silver automobiles, and Larry's silver car is in there. It's an incredibly unique-looking vehicle. I mean, for those listeners out there, look it up online, Stout Scarab, and it'll pop right up with lots of pictures. Uh, it looks like a big bug almost or something. I mean, it's just wild-looking. It's interesting you would say that the Scarab if you look up the definition, yep. it's a b- desert beetle mm-hmm. that survives on dung. <laughs> yep. Okay. So Bill Stout, he, he wrote a book, So Away I Went is the name of it. I've got three copies I've found on Amazon, different sites. If you can search and find this book, you're talking about a good read. And this is a very egotistical guy, but he did things. I mean, here I'm talking about Stout instead of me, but it deserves to be said. Yeah. 
Henry Ford is one of the greatest guys of the century, no question about it. He did so much more. If, if people have been to the Ford and uh, Detroit there and seen his museum, he did so much for this this country and for the world beyond the, the Ford automobile. It's unbelievable. But Stout himself was one of the main forces behind Henry Ford, and he he done the, the, the transmission for the Davidson brothers for their motorcycle. Okay. He was the turn-of-the-century aeronautics engineer. He started the first scheduled airline in this country called Stout Air Services from Detroit to St. Louis. Flew out on Tuesday from Detroit to St. Louis, and on Thursday they returned to Detroit from St. Louis. And a company called United Holdings bought that Stout Air Services, and we know what United turned into. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The the airlines, obviously. So. Uh That was a big moment, going back to our, our core question yeah. there. Restoring the stout was uh, was very much a challenge that I realized if I get a Delahaye, a Delage, whatever the automobile is, the amount of research that goes into doing an automobile, a one-off automobile, we love those. Yeah. We we live for these unique cars. And, you know, sometimes they're, they're prototypes. That one of the you know the big companies uh, built in the early days. It's just it's really nice to do the research. It's um, yeah. it's, it's it's the chase. It's the chase, like um, <laughs> you know Wayne Carini's yeah. passion. Uh, you know, chasing that uh, yeah that automobile or that unique automobile. It's really a lot of fun. Well, kudos on that project. Oh my gosh, what a unique and wonderful experience. Well, it kind of leads me into the next question. You make so many people happy with the restoration work you do. What's your proudest career moment? Well. I appreciate you saying that, and, and I feel like we do make people happy. We, uh, you know, again, we do have folks that don't quite understand what's involved in a restoration. But you know, my proudest moment in my restoration career, wow, that's that's a tough one, Mark. Uh, <laughs> you probably had a few. I've had a, a lot of them. Uh, you know, the, the opportunity for the people that I've worked with and been so fortunate to have around me uh, has has been great. One of the most recent ones. Uh, I was able to arrange a article for some of the the guys that write for some of the Porsche magazines and uh, Michael Allen Ross, Sean Crenlin. Uh, we arranged a, a story on the Souter Roadster for them, and uh, the owner wanted to remain incognito. It was really tough to get it approved, but we got that article. They said, "Let us do an article for you uh-huh. about your shop." Yeah, and unselfishly, I turned that over for them to do an article on Ralph Brawley. Ralph is the famous metal shaper that built so many Porsches and beyond. Uh, I, I wound up buying Ralph's metal shaping equipment, and that's where Carolina Coachcrafters come from. Was his company was called Coachcraft? Ah, okay. And yeah, and so I said, you know what? Do it on Ralph. Uh, he deserves the limelight, and it was on uh, the cover of Panorama, I believe, in April or May of this year. Yeah, I remember and article all. Article all about Ralph, and uh, so that was that was a great moment to uh, to recognize you know who I was actually working with. These guys, Ralph uh, is just one of them, but he um, he he built so many unique things for the likes of Rick Hendrick, Roger Penske. Everyone came to him and says, "We can't figure this out. What do we do?" And you're talking about. Uh, realizing uh, something I've always clinged to is keeping it simple. Ah, yes. And Ralph is a simple man, and he he gets the forest for the trees 
you know, concept. Yeah. He, it's right in front of you. And he built Manhattan Trophy uh, was an award that the Porsche Club gave out at the annual Porsche Parade for years. Oh, yeah. And he was the guy that built five Manhattan Trophy winners wow. out of the, I think, seven or eight years they gave that award. Uh, he, he's, he's built cars just to say for all of the famous Porsche collectors, and mm-hmm. I mean all of them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Well, both Michael Allen Ross and Sean Cridlin have both been guests here on Cars, yes. I know those guys well. Great guys. Very talented guys for sure. So kudos to you for that. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time again. I'd love for you to share your first really special car. Now, I know you love Porsches. You have a, a collection of some Porsches, but What's that first car that you got that really made you happy and maybe share a memory with that vehicle? Well, that is that is really, really funny because I have a driver's side door off of my first automobile. <laughs> oh, it was a oh yeah, it was one that nobody wants to collect. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a Datsun B twelve hundred hatchback. Oh yeah, and it was my lesson that my father taught that and it was a cool little car i had the et mags on it the unilug yeah. you know mag wheels i had a, a system in it called mind blower speakers and you could flip the switch up and it like it gave it a little more bass than it did treble or something yeah <laughs> this was my pride and joy yeah. and i made it i owned it i made it what it was it's was a beautiful little car uh-huh. but my dad was teaching me to drive something that wasn't so powerful and work into that 1967 uh, big block Chevelle uh, that I drove, and then I wrecked it uh, right before graduation. And when I was uh, 18 years old, and I thought that the world had ended, I repaired it and won the paint competition with it. <laughs> so very nice, very nice. That was that was the beginning of of launching my career by winning that paint show. So. Yeah, the 67 Chevelle. So when you people walk into my collection and they see these these hot rods, these Chevys, I've got the 67, 68, 69 Z28s, the Chevelle convertibles yeah. uh, from the early, from 70. And, and um, then you see all these Porsches and you're like, well, this is an interesting mix. <laughs> kind of an interesting, yeah, eclectic. 1928 uh, Worldmobile, one of one that came out of the Bill Hare collection. Wow. We have 1917 Detroit Electric. Yes, electric cars were made a hundred years ago. Yeah, uh, we're getting ready to turn uh, 2017, and and so it's because I do love all different types. But my collection, I, I realized one day, and this is one uh, that you'll appreciate. Through a series of events, I said, you know what? I'm not a collector. I'm an accumulator. <laughs> and so I decided to sell a V12 Roadster. Um, 57 Chevy convertible, incredible car that uh, that I have ties with Robert Yates. It's a car that I had done for Robert. And I decided to focus on my turbo collection and my muscle car collection in the Camaro series. And so a lot of that accumulation has been turned over the last 10 years, and, and, and now I have more of a collection. Nice. Very nice. So the door of that Datsun hangs on your wall, huh? Yeah, it's in my, my little barn fine room. I've got a bunch of uh, keepsakes from my dad, grandfather, uncles, and things, some tools and yeah. vintage pieces and some vintage unrestored bikes. And, and uh, the door is in that room, and it's 
I'm not sure that I'll ever go after a, a B-1200 Datsun, but <laughs> who knows? Probably not, but you never know. Well, that leads to me to my next question, seller's remorse. Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back? Or since you're an accumulator, do you just not let too many things go? Now, remember, Mark, I'm not an accumulator. I've turned that ship around. I'm now a collector. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and a collector. Now you become very sophisticated. Yes. <laughs> a collector collector. Absolutely. You know, I don't think that there is a car guy. And you know what? I do have some friends that have that first car. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Fantastic. Wonderful. I have two Chevelle convertibles, and I have those because after I sold the 67 Chevelle and – my neighbor had a 72 Chevelle convertible SS 454. Nice. Carolina blue, white interior. And yes, thank you for this opportunity. To sp- I hope everyone hears this. <laughs> if you know where my car is, okay, hold it for ransom because you found the guy that'll have to just sell something to get it. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, and, and 72 was a low horsepower year. And by the way, if you're going to sell me that car, don't try to tell me it has the original engine in it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know better. <laughs> I, I have it. <laughs> you have it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Very yeah, we'll cool. Get, we'll get through. The, we'll go around the fraudulent details of your transaction, whoever you are. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to happen. We'll work it but, out. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have two Chevelle convertibles because of that. But yeah, my Carolina Blue Chevelle convertible, um, I would love to have back. My seller's remorse. Yeah. My red 67 Chevelle. Yeah, I would like to have the same VIN number automobile. I'm sure that unless someone restored it, even though I won a paint show, this is my example of exactly what I want to drive at. Mm. And I told you that I wanted to go to. I restored that car, and I used a wire welder, and I used Bondo. And I blocked it, and it was straight, and it beat every shop in the area. 28 shops competed. Yeah, I did sanded between coats, hand rub lacquer. And by the way, we still do lacquer for customers that want it. Wow. And it's just amazing. The people that say, oh, your thing looks as good as lacquer. You are at a point in time, sir or ma'am, that you need to go to the eye doctor and get your lenses <laughs> corrected or get some because no one will ever tell me that your thing looks at the same as lacquer. Now, it's beautiful. We do your thing jobs, and they're gorgeous. I've got multiple cars in here that we've restored, and it does hold up better, but lacquer's got a great look. So to my point... My Chevelle was restored the only way I knew then. When I met Ralph Brawley, I learned the correct way to do the foundation of any restoration, and that's in the metal shape, and it has to be done properly. If you're going to hand it down to your child or your grandchild, what are you handing them? It's a legacy, another restoration to be done in five or ten years because it's popping and cracking and splitting. No, get it done right. That's my mission statement. There you go. So I, I would love to have that Chevelle back, knowing I would have to restore probably both of them because of my uh, my sickness of wanting everything <laughs> to be perfect. But those two cars, uh, probably I would want to get back. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What has you really excited and fired up? I know from being at your website, you've got some also some really cool cars for sale right now. You've got a, gosh, just gorgeous 356 Cabriolet, an early 911. What has you excited and fired up today? You know, those cars are tremendously exciting. Uh, the, the orange car you're referring to, the 65 C cab, the only orange Cabriolet known to have ever been built, verified on the COA by Porsche. That's a beautiful automobile. My 66 911 is 
a lacquer paint. We stripped the crack paint job off everything on the car, the headline of the carpets, the wheels. Nothing has been replated. It's all original trim. Beautiful car. And I'm putting my salesman hat on at this point, but, uh-huh. you know, these cars are, are, this is the kind of thing, when you go back to the question about what should you tell someone that's looking to buy a collector car, your guy has to come to you and be able to deliver what I'm saying about my automobiles right now. Yeah. I do have automobile. I have a car in the back. This one's very exciting. I have a 58 356A coupe Ooh. that was rolled over. It was rotten. It was $300 not too many years ago. It's how bad it was. Wow. That car is getting completely rebodied. The interior structure, the inner structure, is we're, we're hand-making all the panels. Well, we've already got them done. The car's getting the aluminum skin put on right now. Mr. Brawley had a vision of an aluminum speedster, all aluminum. So I bought that when I bought the company. It came with it. We're finishing that automobile. It will be a natural finish, no paint. It will be, uh, I'm sand, I, I love the look of the sanded aluminum. So it'll be sand forward uh, to rear, oh, rear wow. to forward, uh, sand marks. And you'll, it, people will be able to see it on the concourse circuit here in the next couple of years. That car is very exciting to me. And um, to the point of, you know, if a guy's delivering to you, hey, I want to sell you this automobile and here's its history, you know, just get with a guy that'll tell you, yeah, I've got one back here that was a rotten piece of junk, and this is what we did. Transparency, if you can find it in dealing with these folks, is it's the only way for life for anything. But certainly when you're when you're buying a beautiful car that's got a beautiful paint job on it, you know, what's under that skin, you just got to be careful who you're dealing with. I can't wait to see that. 58's my year for the old 356s. I love those cars. So, man, when you get done with that one, send me some pictures. Sounds fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Tim. Kind of a funny question. It'll be interesting how you answer this because you've kind of got the passion for Porsche, but the old American muscle cars. If you were a car, Tim, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, that would go with my, um, probably the the question I get asked, what is your favorite car in your collection? One question. The other one is, what is your favorite car? of all time if you could have anything and I'm gonna ask you that all time question later, so don't give that one away. Okay. <laughs> if I was a car, what would I be? Yeah. Uh ah, boy, that's uh, you got me on the spot. That's that's hard. You know, I I, I think I, I keep focusing on which one is the most desirable, but you know, I would want to be that that truly uh somewhere in the middle of the road of uh function, form uh, per, you know, the performance uh-huh. end of things has to come into play, but be practical to, uh, I'm a, I'm a romantic guy. I mean, I want something that, you know, appeals to the ladies that they want to ride in, not something I think that they want to ride in. Sure. Uh, something that has the creature comforts and, and all wrapped in one. I love my, uh, I have a BMW B7 Alpina Ooh. and boy, does that thing do it all. <laughs> there you go. You know? <laughs> I think. I think you could fit into that quite nicely. Very good. I like that. Well, Tim, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN 
Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Okay, Tim, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The foundation and the metal shaping from Ralph Brawley. Ah, perfect. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Detail, attention to detail. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Now, how about a resource? There's tons of great resources out there these days, especially with the Internet. But is there one or two that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would enjoy? Be careful of forums and the advice they give. The forums sometimes are written by guys, and they're telling you about the Ferrari advice, or they're giving you the Porsche advice on something. People giving advice sometimes are not necessarily in a position to be qualified to give advice. Now, back to your question, what resources? You know, we certainly have uh, the libraries at Hershey have great uh, historical records to go on. I called the uh, formerly the Bill Hare Collection recently, and they have uh, for a small fee, if you have an automobile, a certain VIN number that may have come from that collection, they can feed you all the information they have about it. Ah. So I would uh, I would recommend going to these on the older automobiles in particular, going to the uh, the Hershey library you may be able to give your readers a a more direct contact for that but they have good information to sum it up the best resource for information are the guys that have been in the business for a long time and they are very seasoned they have very honest truth for the most part they are in it for the love and the passion not for the quick buck so my recommendation is go with the older seasoned guys that and most all of them are so approachable, and and if you're young, definitely go to the goes guys because like myself at 56, there's nothing that excites me more than a young kid being fired up about this industry hobby, if you will. We know that that has to be taken care of. Uh, uh, McPherson, Penn Tech, RPM Foundation, all these folks are doing a great job. I work with all those and. And we, we do anything we can to uh, let them come and take tours of the shop, work their apprentice. Those are all great resources. Absolutely. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read lately that you think the Cars Show listeners would enjoy? Well, so away I went 
is the name of the book by William Bushnell Stout. I would definitely recommend it. It tells you what he did and his all his ego issues that he had, <laughs> but it also tells you what a human being can, how diversified a human being can be. He just kind of confirmed I was already in that mode when I read this book, but he confirmed that you know not as you said not putting all your eggs in one basket. But um, as far as a, a book recently, I, I just I stick to the the main line of uh, uh, sports car market is is a great rag I call it. <laughs> yeah, Keith Martin's been a guest here. Yeah, it's a great uh, a great guide for folks to look at. You know, all of your top you know brand uh, Porsche does their panorama their 356 registry for the folks that like those cars. Those are true and honest uh, publications. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these great resources on Tim's show notes page at carsyeah.com slash Tim Lingerfelt. And there's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books for this book. And all the past 669 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. Amazing reference material there from all the inspiring automotive enthusiasts here on Cars yeah. All right, Tim, we're up to the checkered flag. This is the time you get to answer this question. This last question I call a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, I know it's hard to just have one for a guy like you, but just one, one really special car, money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that vehicle be and why? Oh, now it's getting I told hard. You, I, I, I told you it's the deer caught in the headlight. Uh, yeah. Look, that I'm experiencing right now, I love the uh, the RSK Porsche. Uh, the spider that they built in 58, your year again. Yeah. I love the pontoon fender Ferrari Testarossa. That's just such an amazing Yeah, the TRs. Ooh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's just, it's so tough. Um, well, well, just saying for just saying today. So, you know, you could change your mind tomorrow, but this is just. Okay. You can give me a G. I'm, I'm going to go, uh, economically. Get me a GTO Ferrari. I'll be fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you just upped the game on me here. Uh, <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. Well, you went for the holy grail of all cars, of course. Yeah. Well, there's a, a blue one for sale right now. So maybe I could find, find that, that one for you, unless that's been sold already. It is close. It is close to Christmas. I'll take blue. <laughs> Put a red ribbon on it. Ah, yeah. That'll be nice. Okay. Well, you broke the piggy bank for the uh, Christmas spending funds, but that's okay. I'll do that for you. <laughs> no problem. All right. Oh, my gosh. Tim, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed learning more about you and Carolina Coach Builders. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Car Show listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down that country road in your very own Ferrari DTO? Just absolutely find uh, find out what your passion is. And, and by the way, that will be an interesting ride. You may think you know what that passion is and uh, just just pay attention. Get off the electronic device, and and I do speak of of course driving and, and being safe. Yeah. But I'm talking about in general. Get off those electronic devices and pay attention to what that automobile is doing when you're driving down the road. Yes. The scenery around you when you have a chance to have your never take your eyes off the road. But th- there is more to life than your head down and your neck injury you're creating for yourself uh, yeah. because you're looking down at this device all the time and enjoy these automobiles for what they were built. And remember, they were built in a time where there were none of these gadgets. Oh, I'm such a 
anti-electronic device guy, <laughs> but you know, I, I'll use them. Of course, I'm a hypocrite. Yes, I'll use them. But automobiles are meant to be felt. They're yeah. meant to be heard. They're meant to be gazed upon in awe. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can bring me all the hot-rotted, I'm not going to brand it, okay? I'm going to say <laughs> all the hot-rotted current electronic super brain fuel injected whatever's you want to. Sure. I'll pull up in my old classic car and the crowd will be looking at me, my car, <laughs> yeah. not yours. Enjoy the hobby. Enjoy the hobby. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? You know, www.carolinacoachcrafters.com and carolinacoachcollection.com is our sales side of the business. And those uh, those websites will guide you to us, and uh, we're open for you know, group tours. We have Porsche clubs that come through here. The AACA has uh, their uh, one of their annual meetings. And the big bonus there is um, I'm, I'm a pretty pretty good cook too. So we, uh, right. we prepare the food, hand hand prepare the food here. We have a nice kitchen in our facility. Wow. So we're able to put on a meal and uh, event to see how it's really done, how it's supposed to be done, I should say. And uh, but we're available for anyone who wants to see the collection or how the automobile is restored properly uh, at any time we work with after hours, weekends, holidays, whatever. I'm <laughs> I'm that passionate about it to uh, have my door open anytime for anyone. Now, that's quite an invitation. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Tim's been so kind to share on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Tim Lingerfelt in the search bar. That page will pop up. If you can't get to his facility, check out the website. Look at the projects. Uh, fantastic work. Top of the line. Truly true craftsmanship work. Really fantastic. Tim, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your company and your life and your business with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Oh, thank you so much for the uh, opportunity here, Mark. This is, this is awesome. And uh, again, so unselfish of you to have guests on and, and just thank you for fueling the passion uh, for the hobby and the profession both. And um, it's just, uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, this is in the Christmas time as this is being done. So uh, the best of you and your family and uh, to everyone listening, happy holidays and, uh, and use your line again. We hope to see you down the road. 292 Rolling Hills Road, Mooresville, North Carolina. There you go. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Mark. I have a favor to ask. If you've enjoyed this show or any of the Cars Yeah! podcast shows, go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. That would really help me out a lot, and I would be very grateful. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!